Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market, or I should say the Champa Bay real estate market. Bucks off to a hot start and the lightning uh, just a, a few weeks, a few short weeks away. So excited for that. But uh, continuing our conversation like we do every week, talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan, uh, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. And uh, Mike, an article came out this week. And, and, and we get this question asked a lot specifically by people that maybe hadn't done a real estate transaction in a while, because it's, it's, it's a lot more charged today with, uh, emotionally charged with the steps that people have to go through and the processes and, and the timelines and home buyers and sellers rarely meet now. Most of the time, the closings are right. done separate to kind of keep emotions out of it. Uh, there's a lot of other reasons, but I think, I think one reason why is to prevent, um, you know, to, to kind of keep emotions out of things. Yeah. It, and it does make sense. You know, I mean, people can have different opinions on things, have different thought process on what they want to do with the house. Maybe somebody is that the sellers have been in the house a long time. And so they have obviously an emotional tie to it. And if the new buyers are thinking about making changes, there's lots of just different things that could kind of set people off that may seem small and petty, but, but that can't happen. So a lot of times it's safer not for them not to meet. Yeah. And I mean, again, sometimes it's good for the buyers and sellers to be able to communicate. So, but I think that's handled better after closing, you know, at the closing table, uh, you leave room for misunderstandings. You know, there, there could be something that isn't in the contract that one party expects. And then there's some sort of heated debate about it. Um, you might find out something negative about the home. Maybe the sellers say, well, Hey, if you run into this problem and it's a problem you didn't know about, um, right. Those are things I think uh, that's why you have your home inspection. That's why you do your due diligence. But I think communication between buyers and sellers, um, you know, can, you know, can be better after the fact. Uh, it can be a benefit for both parties, though, when there is an emotional attachment. A seller may want to have some sort of communication or outlet to talk to the buyer because they feel better about kind of leaving their home behind with who they're um, who they're leaving it to. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, there's also, you know, potential fair housing violations. Um, this isn't necessarily at the closing table, but unfortunately, um, you know, we've learned that some sellers and some buyers, um, you know, don't don't understand the fair housing laws like real estate professionals do as it relates to discrimination on race, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender, familial status, disability, all these things, right? And you don't want, unfortunately, someone who doesn't realize that they shouldn't discriminate on one of those things to discriminate on one of those things. So by not having any um, communication or visual with those, those people, then, then you keep things, uh, you know, tied into what, what it should be about, which is the contract. Right. Absolutely. And it does, it does say in the article, it talks about if you are going to meet, you know, how to do it safely, make sure both you, you have your real estate agent along with yeah. you. Um, to help represent so that you, you don't go down that route, you know, and say, and, and I mean, even, even outside of the discrimination, it could be just as simply, you don't like them, right? You, know, yeah. you, you could, you could, they could have a shirt on about something you don't like. They could have gone to your college's rival. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can go bad that can cause a, a house sale to go awry. It isn't just, you know, those things. Sometimes it's just, you naturally just don't like someone and then it makes it a little harder for you to sell your home to them. Um, but, but you're right. You can do it safely. You know, stick right. to talking about the house, have yeah. both real estate agents present, um, be at your best. You know, this is, this is a time when you probably don't want to discuss politics. You probably don't want to discuss yeah. 
religion. You know, you probably want to keep things on point as it relates to the house and facts. You know, that that's pretty much what it boils down to. But but realistically, closings today, uh, showings today, there, the, you know, a, there are a lot of valid reasons why home buyers and sellers don't meet. Um, there are some good things that can come from it, but typically real estate agents, you know, are, are kind of the conduit for that communication so that things are, uh, you know, laws aren't broken, fair housing, things are followed. And, you know, you kind of stick to uh, the contract and stick to the facts about the house. Right. And with technology these days, it makes it so much easier to do all the things that you need to do without, you know, you, you needing to meet or even being there in some cases and, and everything else. So it, it's it's very easy to do without having to ever meet the buyer or seller, depending on which side you're on and still have it be a very smooth transaction. And that's a really good point that you bring up because, you know, there are people that will call us to sell a home that haven't done real estate, done a real estate transaction in 10 years. And they're just amazed that, you know, they're sent documents. They don't even have to leave their house to close. You know, today technology is advancing at such a pace that it's not going to be long before uh, every closing is, is digital. Uh, You know, you sent documents on your, on your computer. Uh, you, You know, you, you maybe zoom in, and talk right. to a notary or the title yeah. agent to get any questions answered. But but today, the idea that, you know, six people are going to sit together in a room, and I say six, it could be four, it could be eight. I mean, I'm just right. using a, an average, are going to sit in a room and, and kind of go through all these documents to handle a, a real estate transaction. Those days are gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, and not and to mention, not to mention the challenges with 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 COVID. Um, you know, you, you know, six people in a congested room. What if one of them's got COVID now six of them have COVID, you know? So it's like the, the, there's, there's a health aspect to some of this as well, that, you know, you're not taking an extra risk by being around people that may be carrying something, maybe sick, may have a sniffle that they don't think is a big deal. Um, so a lot of people are preferring the digital closing for, for that reason, uh, as well. Um, including some title companies, we're starting to get requests from title companies that real estate agents not attend the closing. Um, yeah, you know, I heard a lot of that. Did, yeah, I heard a lot of that, especially during COVID, where they asked extra people not to come, including including the real estate agents, or to come after closing if they needed to get something or, or whatnot that's going to be in there. And you know, a lot of things with the digital closings that it helps too is it it avoids human error of signing in the wrong place, Xing the wrong document with ink and that sort of stuff, because it's electronic, you know, none of that happens. And so there's less issues down the road um, or after closing when, you know, you just want to go move into your house or get your money and move on your way um, because of that too. So technology is just, it's a huge benefit. Yeah, no doubt about it. So the days of everyone sitting at the closing table or from the buyers and sellers meeting at an appointment when the house showing happens, are just few and far between. That doesn't mean that people that it doesn't happen. It's just not nearly as common. So let's talk about you know homeownership. Uh, you can you know everyone talks about affordability and how it can get challenging. But uh, we got some tips today for you to save some money as a as a homeowner. Um, a, a lot of tips out there to help um, you know conserve energy, reduce your costs. Awnings, um, you know, are a way that a lot of people use to reduce direct sunlight and heat. Uh, especially yep. in our summer months, um, to, to reduce your air conditioning costs. Um, installing a valve on your water heater. Um, a valve can, you know, have up to a 50% more hot water available for use to reduce energy costs. There, there are um, a, a lot of tactics out there to reduce some of those costs. Updating your storm door or actual door. Man, I've seen some old homes 
that have doors where there's almost like an inch gap between yeah. the door and like the entryway. It's like, you know, you're losing AC and bugs and, you know, heat. Uh, not, not that we have to run the heat very often here. We might <laughs> right. be a few, a few weeks. Um, covering skylights, you know, again, ways that uh, heat is getting into the home. Uh, another one prevent frozen pipes mike i don't think we gotta worry about that one do you yeah that's not we're a, that's good on not that a one florida thing but definitely uh other places in the country is important yeah uh, cleaning and replacing air filters that's a big one man yeah, you, I, I can't one. tell you how many times i go into homes and they're like oh the ac isn't working and then or the ac is not you know blowing it the the temperature temperature differential needed and you look at the ac filter and then it's very quickly understood why you you know you you have to change your AC filter. Or you're gonna have problems. You know you're yes. gonna you're gonna pay more, and your AC is gonna you know it's not gonna last as long. Um, you know other other simple ways um, that that I found um, through the years of of homeowners saving money, um, and again, you know doing certain things yourself. You know you you can save money by servicing your pool yourself. You can save money by sure. uh, mowing your own lawn. You can you know it's just a trade off for your time. Uh, you know, but, but I think the smart home stuff is something yeah. that didn't get mentioned in, um, the, in the article, because I believe like nest thermostats and echo yeah, thermostats, yeah. all, all those types of things that can adjust when you're not at home so that you're not spending money on the AC when you're not there or automatic lights, you know, led lights, uh, huge, huge energy savings when you have them set to where they automatically go off. So you can't make the mistake of leaving on your TV or leaving on your, um, AC. When you go out of town, it, your, 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 your home figures it out. I think smart home technology is, is still an untapped resource, um, today where people are not factoring in the, the, the cost savings that it brings them by having the energy efficiency of, you know, smart, you know, thermostat, smart lights, LED, all these things that that will reduce people's monthly energy costs. Yeah. Another thing I, I, I thought of, too, that a lot of a lot of people do tint on their cars, but you can uh, yeah, do tint, tint on the windows, windows of your house. your house. Yeah. You know, if you can't put an awning on there or whatever reason and, and whatnot, but you can get tint and that can cut down quite a bit, you know, especially on the windows that are getting direct sunlight throughout the day. Yeah, no, there's no doubt that that can have a huge thing. The, t- the type of insulation in your home. Uh, the, the quality of the garage doors and windows, um, all, all ways to, um, always to save money. Um, and, and of course that doesn't even factor in solar, you know, solar power. Uh, th- that's a huge one that, that some people take advantage of where, you know, I, I have clients that actually get paid each month. They don't have an electric bill and then they get wow. paid money like that. That's how efficient. Uh, some of the solar stuff can be today. So again, it's not right for every home design. I've seen some homes with solar panels where it just doesn't look right, but certain industrial types of homes, I feel like it can really, um, you know, it can really help the marketability, but it can also help the the energy efficiency, um, you know, of homes today. And I, I think one other, um, you know, one other uh, savings, you know, utility costs, um, you know, shopping around. You know, shop around for your phone coverage, shop around for your internet, shop around on your cable if you're going to have it, you know, cut the cord, you know, look, look at different services. There, there's other ways you can save money besides just ener- energy efficiency. And that's just not for homeowners. That's for everybody, too. So, yeah, absolutely. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News when we aren't on air. 
Check us out at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. We're pretty much everywhere. If you're a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, make sure you're paying attention. Uh, we're going to have some cool giveaways as the season approaches um, You know, for our favorite hockey team. Uh, tickets, signed items, all those types of things we'll have like we do every year. So make sure to follow us on, on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. So we'll be back, uh, continue our conversation about the Tampa Bay real estate market after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market uh, like we are every Sunday at 10 when we aren't on air at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, theduncanduo.com for an all-cash offer. Get your home sold guaranteed. Get an instant cash offer at theduncanduo.com. So, Mike, this time of year, it's always yes. the time when we talk about haunted houses. Right. And and it's interesting because I'm sure there are going to be people out there that believe and don't believe. And, you know, depending on their religious belief system, here's what I can tell you. I have been in homes that completely creeped me out that I was 100% convinced were haunted. Um, you know, we, we had a home a few years ago in Hyde Park that um, doors would shut. It would sound like you'd heard people upstairs. Um, you know, random things would happen. Multiple agents that showed the home said that they thought it was haunted. And uh, flash forward, um, a few years after we sold the home as a foreclosure, it burned down. Oh, my gosh. That, to me, is just kind of a sign. You know, I mean, that right. was validation that my intuition uh, was on the money. Because it was just a really, really creepy place. Um, you know, and and again, it ended up burning down. But we've heard stories through the years. We've heard, um, you know, footsteps. We've heard voices. We've heard people whose, you know, refrigerators open doors. All, all these types of things are all the things that you, you know, you go through this time of year when we approach Halloween and everyone gets excited about haunted houses. Right. Uh, you know, I can tell you from experience, I think they're a real thing. Um, you know, have you ever had, you ever had an experience with one, Mike? Uh, yeah, you know, so I'm more of probably the other side of it where I'm more of the skeptic type person where, where I'm not as, a, you know, I don't believe as much stuff as that, but my wife certainly does and has said things. And, but I have been in houses, you know, and a lot of times it's older homes or whatnot, where it's, you know, it's creaky, you know, you hear noises, you do hear things. So, you know, it, just because I'm a skeptic doesn't mean it isn't true. And I've definitely been here or you hear a door, you know, a door slam upstairs. And, you know, to me, I always just say it's, oh, it must be a, you know, a draft came through or anything else. And, you know, people will say, no, that's the ghost, you know, causing the energy. So um, it's going to be that. I've definitely heard things in houses. I will say that. You know, and, and I think like, you know, in all kinds of, you know, times where you hear that, oh, it was maybe on an old burial ground or, right. um, or the houses across the street from a cemetery. Even if you don't believe in haunted houses, this is the time of year when um, we talk about spooky stuff with houses. Yeah. You know, and, and so I lived in a townhome um, a few years back that, that was built on a burial ground. And, and I had a personal experience. We had, we had all kinds of crazy things happen at this house. And one time I woke up in the middle of the night and saw a shadow on the wall that I thought was the person. And I destroyed the wall. <laughs> I woke up, saw it, and started punching the wall and um, oh, no. you know, bloodied some knuckles, destroyed the drywall, thinking that someone was in my house. And there was no one there. 
So there's there's been experiences that I've had, not just as a real estate agent, but just as a as a person where, you know, I, I just it, it's hard for me not to believe that there aren't sometimes kind of those crossover events that, you know, get get talked about in movies and shown on TV shows. And and so I think that uh, that my experience has taught me that uh, seeing thousands of homes and, you know, having sold thousands of homes, we've, yeah. we've had a lot of experiencers that could be completely coincidental. It could be like you said, there could be an explanation for it, but there's so many of them that it's hard to not believe that there isn't something there. So, um, yes. as, you, uh, as you, as you venture out this Halloween season, you'll see people whose homes are decorated. You'll go into neighborhoods that feel a little creepy. You'll right. go to, you'll go to the, you know, universal studios and Bush gardens and get scared. But every once in a while I walk in a house that scares me more than than uh you know Halloween scream or halloween horror nights so yeah and you do get some of these houses that are older i i think it tends to be more in the older homes where you hear about because more history may have just happened there right you, know, yeah, you get some houses in pinellas yep. county that are from the 30s and the 40s and you're coming up on 100 years old that that there's some history to those houses and so you know it, it's bound things have happened in some in some of these places well, and lots and, of these places and and the places that tend to have the most stories about this kind of stuff are the older cities the Charleston, right. the saint augustines yeah savannah the, the florida keys savannah yeah. um you know a lot of these southern cities that have you know these these stories about you know the civil war and um you know so so i, I do think it's kind of neat uh, right. you know, to, 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 to go on the two, the ghost tours and hear the things, but, but I'm also, like I said, someone who's had some of those personal experiences. So if you've had a scary home experience and you want to, and you want to share it with us, go onto our socials at the Duncan duo, send us a DM or post a comment on one of our posts, share your scary house story with us. Maybe it's something we'll talk about on the radio. So anyway, we're going to be back after a quick break. Uh, we're going to, we're going to stop talking about haunted houses and start <laughs> talking about housing stats after a quick break here on the Duncan duo show. So we're back here on the Duncan duo show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market, Andrew Duncan of the Duncan duo with Mike Corrigan and Mike, a lot of people don't understand the housing shortage that we're dealing with now and kind of where it originated from. Yes. Um, uh, you know, they, they think, um, oh, well there's the, the, the last year because of COVID there's this labor shortage and certainly. Uh, that's a contributing factor. Um, but in reality, with, um, you know, homeownership rates climbing, population rates climbing, um, 13 years ago when we had the, you know, the the real estate bust, a lot of builders pulled back the reins and stopped producing as many homes and started producing homes that were more profitable, not necessarily the homes that were needed to satisfy demand. And, you know, that change 13 years ago and a several year period where they just didn't produce enough homes just hasn't kept up with, uh, you know, housing needs to where today there's a lot of economic factors that are that are being bought, you know, that are brought into the equation with, um, you know, a solid, solid economic standing, you know, wage increases, all these types of things. To, to allow more people to have the opportunity to participate in home ownership. But there was just not enough production over a more than a decade period to prepare us for the record demand that we have now. So it, it, this is not something that just happened in the last year. This is something, this is something that the builders have not caught up with for more than a decade. 
Yeah, and it's such a really good point, and you're dead on and on how you describe that and how it went. It it didn't happen. Everybody thinks it happened just because what what has gone on since the pandemic and and whatnot. But and certainly that had a contributing factor to it, right? The labor shortage, supply chain things. Those those haven't made it any better. But this problem was coming um, long before it. It just kind of got exacerbated because of uh, of the global pandemic. And it's one of those giant machines that you just can't rev up fast enough. Um, you know, you can't snap yeah. your fingers and build, you know, millions of homes. I think we've talked about it before. So, it's we're mil- literally millions of homes. You, the, you the just national, can't do it. Yeah, the National Association of Realtors uh, announced this week that we have a shortage of seven million homes. Okay, yeah, you just, you, that is not something that gets erased overnight. So let 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 me kind of give you guys a little bit of an understanding of of what happened here. So when um, when the market, um, you know, was was at peak let's say 2005, 2006 area, we were producing over 2 million homes a year, okay? And so builders were satisfied with demand. There was enough demand for it, and they were building at a massive pace, okay? When the crash came, a lot of them overreacted or got hurt financially and scaled back. So in 2009, uh, from, from that point in 2005, um, there was a steep decline from 2005 to 2009, where it went from 2.2 million homes to 539,000. And when the market got hot in 15, we needed to be back to, you know, 15, 16, we needed to be back to 2 million homes a year. And we, we were hovering around a million for several years. And, and in 2021, um, we're now at um, 1.6 million um, in, in the third quarter. And, and it's just not enough production of homes there. It's just way below. Um, it's way below the numbers needed to satisfy existing demand. So it started when we went from 2.2 to 500,000, we probably needed to go from 2.2 to around a million and hover around a million and then kind of grow up from there, but it dropped so low and it didn't rebound quick enough. And the builders didn't get, just didn't get in front of it to take advantage of it. And, and I know there are a lot of builders realizing right now they're losing hundreds of millions of dollars because they didn't ramp up production quick enough, starting when the market started doing well, you know, in call it 15, 16. Yeah. And I mean, they took drastic measures back then, right? We had the financial crisis, which almost brought really the world economy to its knees. And so they made drastic moves. That's why it went down so low to 500, you know, thousand and they didn't come back and they should have come back otherwise. And it's kind of built up along the way. And, and, so and even though, and even though it's, even though it's hovering around 1.6 million now, which is way better than it's been for a long time, it needs to be above 2 million um, you know, for, for several years to kind of catch that up. So anyone out there worried about uh, a downward cycle in the real estate market just doesn't understand the math of, of the available homes for sale. Because in order for a market to crash, you have to have more supply than demand. You know, we still have way, way, way below supply compared to demand. So even if things soften a little bit, there's no crash coming. There's just no uh, available inventory to turn the market in a direction to where the supply and demand curve becomes inverted, um, like there was back then. So yeah, um, and the news, the news the stat, sorry, and the stats of of the people that are going to be first time home buyers and the new household formations that come in are going to continue just based on demographics are going to continue to grow for the next six to seven years. So they need to be making more anyways, plus make up for the time they weren't doing it. So you're, you're right. There's nothing in any of the statistics 
that say anything is going to derail all of this. Yeah, and I think you know another another thing that that people aren't factoring in is today's home buyers are in better financial shape than they were in two thousand eight. There's higher incomes, less debt, less housing debt being used to do other things, and I think less gambling going on. There's just not as many people that are buying real estate purely for the speculative gains. Um, which is what happened back then, because lenders aren't willing to take those risks on. Are there speculators? Right. Yes. Are there people doing it? Yes, but nowhere near um, the number of speculators and and easeability of getting loans that there was back then. So there's home buyers are just in better financial shape today. Yeah, and even even the small amount of business, and it's called a non-QM or non-qualified mortgage that are some of the speculative bets or more risky mortgages or anything else, they are the way they're done nowadays is still so much. Um, there's so much more regulation that goes along with it than there was during the financial crisis. And any lender that's willing to do that, and there's a marketplace out there for it, and it can be very healthy that's going to be in there. But you have to have 10% on um, you know, skin in the game um, for any investor. Yeah. And so the hedge yep. funds that are putting it in there. So they're not just foolishly out there lending money because they have to put up their own capital in order to be able to do so. Yeah, so um, another thing, just talking about the market, uh, Fed holding rates near zero for now. Um, right. You know, they said it would keep its overnight lending rate near zero. Um, you know, again, a lot of people read that and they think there's some sort of dramatic instant impact because they don't understand that Fed rates don't trickle down exactly to mortgage rates and 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 whatnot. But the fact that they're continuing to keep that number low uh, continues to tell us that Mortgage rates are not going to, you know, rise on some sort of skyrocket basis. No, and and one of the things they did come out and say, and what is really the the people kind of looking at this and are close to the situation is the Fed has been buying treasuries and buying mortgage-backed securities for a long time, and so they're talking about eventually they'll have to, and that starts that artificially keeps rates low for a period of time, and eventually if inflation keeps rising, they're going to have to come out of that. So we're watching that carefully. But you're right. Nothing is going to happen dramatically overnight. It is going to be there for lower, for longer. And, and we're kind of keeping with that same story. And, and again, it's not a straight line down or a straight line up when it does happen. It's, it's kind of choppy. But rates are still extremely low. Um, they've been bouncing, hovering near lows. And we, we expect that throughout the end of the year. Yeah, a lot of people are predicting a September surge in home sales. September is usually one of the months of the year that that things aren't very, um, you know, fantastic for real estate sales. You know, kids getting back into school, people getting, you know, kind of back into their routines. But a lot of people are predicting that, um, you know, because mortgage applications to purchase a home rose the highest level since April. You know what I think that is? I think people are recognizing that there's there, you know, home sellers are going to start putting some inventory on the market. I think that uh, they want to sell by the end of the year for, you know, tax reasons, um, you know, for a lot of reasons. I also think a lot of buyers got frustrated over the summer and now they're being told, hey, look, it's not as bidding wars aren't as rampant. There's not as many people out there. So I think September is going to be a very strong real estate month because of the unique things this year when it normally is a is a is a weaker month of the year. And I could tell you, we still have, you know, we still have several, you know, four or five days left in the month. But for us, just kind of at, at our level, we've seen applications up this month and they're actually higher than they've been the past uh, three months. And, you know, if they keep on the current pace through the end of the month. So we've definitely seen an uptick um, in applications this month. And good news on the affordability front, obviously, production of building materials and costs of building materials has been an obstacle for a while, keeping you know, builders slowing things down and not able to build affordable properties. But 
um, home builder sentiments improving because of big drop in lumber prices. Um, so, so that's, um, you know, the, I think that's a huge thing right now. You've got, um, you know, some of the prices for materials, some of the backlog on, you know, things that you can't get in stock. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of things pointing towards, um, you know, a continued healthy real estate market and builders hopefully getting that 1.6 million number higher to meet, to meet the demand that's out there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see as we get into the end of the year and the beginning of next year, you know, not doesn't affect us here in Florida, but in other parts of the country, sometimes it tends to slow down because of weather, because it's freezing or or whatever else, if it'll allow for the supply, to, you know, chain to kind of catch up a little bit and allow for lower costs going into next year. Yeah, no doubt about it, because, again, some of those costs uh, directly go back to consumers. I, I think people right. don't sometimes understand you know, I mean, even the discussions about inflation, increasing in costs and decreasing of costs, like the, that, no matter how that works, whether the costs of, of something increase or decrease, that gets passed to the consumer. So if lumber prices are dropping, that means, you know what, maybe maybe homes won't rise as dramatically in price, you know, in terms of new construction. So so I think that's a good sign overall to con- to combat one of the fears a lot of people have, which is affordability. Um, right. You know, people are concerned that even with record low rates, if prices of materials and homes keep rising, will we some at some point, not anytime soon, but we, will we at some point meet a delta where things have to change because there's not enough people out there to be able to afford, um, you know, that happening. So we're going to talk next. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk in our next segment about the Remax National Housing Report. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to to hear some of the things going on uh, throughout the country, because, again, I think Tampa is a melting pot. I think we have a lot of people here that are from other parts of the country that are concerned about, um, you know, where the hot markets are. And, and so so we're going to be back. We're going to talk about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Uh, August home sales dropped 3.5% from July's total, according to the REMAX National Housing Report, which is relatively typical, despite August still broke almost all records for home sales, signaling a still hot market. Typically, home sales do slow down a little from July to August. But if you look at the year-over-year stuff, still record-breaking stuff. August, low number of days on market of 24 and month supply of inventory, 1.3. Reverse two months of inventory gain, strong demand amid tight inventory persists. So so what's going on in some other parts of the country? I always think it's interesting to see um, you know, the, the areas that have the greatest appreciation. So 36 metro areas year over year by double digit percentages led by, um, surprisingly, uh, at 30.6% Boise, Idaho, uh, 30.6% appreciation, 24.9% in Phoenix, Arizona, and 22.3% in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Days on market is an interesting stat. Um, the metro areas with the lowest days on market in the country, uh, it was a two-way tie between Cincinnati, Ohio at 10 and Nashville, Tennessee at 10, and then Omaha, Nebraska coming in at 13. The highest days on market averages in the country, Des Moines, Iowa at 83. That was very surprising to me. Um, mm. it just, that just I don't know why, but it just was. Uh, Miami, Florida at 67 and New York at 57. I think, um, again, knowing the Miami and New York markets have a lot of luxury inventory and homes that are sold to people outside of the area, that doesn't surprise me. And there are also markets that are, um, in a lot of ways, 
maybe not performing as well as people would like because of, you know, uh, population movement. But so month supply of inventory, the markets with the lowest month supply of inventory, Albuquerque, Raleigh, Seattle, Denver, and Charlotte at 0.6. We're hovering around 0.9. So if that gives you any indication, we're uh, among those, uh, you know, in month <laughs> supply one. of inventory. Yeah, we're we're sub one month of that's inventory. Incredible. Yeah, and and so so that's kind of what's happening in other parts of the country. It's it's interesting because again, I talk about this a lot, but a lot of people watch like the national news and they'll see uh, a report about home sales nationally and think, oh, well, that that directly correlates to what's happening for me too. And that's not always the case. What's happening in right. one part of the country doesn't, you know, there's a lot of people leaving New York. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of people leaving New York for other parts of the country. There are a lot of people leaving California. There are a lot of people leaving Miami for other parts of Florida. The population that we have right now has never been more mobile uh, with technology and mobile workforces. There's never been a time where people have been as able to move to different parts of the country and still keep their jobs and their incomes. So there's yeah, no doubt what, that that population movement is going to cause confusion for people. Yeah. When you talked about like Boise, Idaho, 30% appreciation growth, you know, you may think what's, what's in Boise, Idaho, but I met someone from Boise, not, not too long ago at a conference. And they said, you know, a lot of people from California are just coming there, you know, it's closer yeah. political yep. environments and it's, and it, it's yep. just, it's on fire and you would never think it, but you, you know, that migration is very real that, that we talk about all the time that, and a lot of them are coming to Florida, but there's shifts all across the country. And that's why you're seeing some of these cities you would never think would have such high appreciation or such. Because there's so many people and, and those people are looking at Boise, Idaho and they're saying, oh my goodness, I can get this luxury house for 500,000. That's a, that's a bathroom. Right. That's a bathroom yes. in, in right. West Hollywood or Beverly Hills. So you know, you see this this growth in some of these markets because, again, we have talked about people from California are moving here, um, but uh, certainly not as much as they're moving to other Western states. You know, yes. it's it's yep. uh, you know, there, there's no doubt that, um, you know, that that, um, you know, things happening in other parts of the country are are trickling down to, um, you know, our real estate market here. One thing that I noticed uh, the largest year-over-year -year sales percentage increase in terms of number of units, 55.1% um, New York, New York, which makes a lot of sense because yeah. last year it was so down because right. people moving. Now things are starting to open back up. So, you know, kind of what I said earlier about, oh, well, New York's struggling. It's not really now, but it's it's catching back up. Even with that year-over-year -year increase, I'm pretty certain that, you know, if you look back at 2019, New York's not back to where it was yet, but it's getting there. You know, Honolulu, Hawaii at 37 and Las Vegas, Nevada at 12.5% in terms of uh, the number of unit increase. So again, a lot of shifting around of the population is, is causing um, some of these real estate markets to do well. And then to look at it and say, you're, oh, year over year, they're way up. Yeah, but they right. may have been so far down last year that they're still not back to where uh, people are comfortable and happy about it. So, yeah, a lot of people are comparing now things to 2019 because 2020, they're kind of throwing that out because of, of the whole COVID thing. And so to looking yeah. at things, you know, what was it like two years ago? Um, yeah, no was, doubt about you know, pre, it. Pre-pandemic. Yep, no question. So again, you've been listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show for the last almost hour. We'll be back next Sunday. Uh, appreciate you tuning in when we aren't on air. Follow us at the Duncan Duo and have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.